but what are we actually desiring to see? I had a professor who used to tell this this story of um, of a time when he 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 was in um, California and he went to this large old old church to um, to preach and um, and he gets up into the pulpit and and carved quite deeply in into the the face of the the pulpit was the words sir we would seek jesus sir we would seek jesus and it's a reference to to a, a, a scripture where where um the disciples are are approached by a group of 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 people who who simply say we where is jesus where is jesus we would seek jesus and it's a reminder to everybody who stood behind that pulpit that as much wisdom and knowledge that there is out in this world, that the one thing that we need above all else is Jesus. I want to read to you from Romans 12. And, and I'll explain why. Um, we're going to actually looking at this chapter this week and next week. But uh, I want to look at Romans 12. So if you're following along, we'll start at, uh, at um, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern... What is the will of God? What is the good and acceptable and, and perfect will of God? For by the grace given to me, I say to you, everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that, are, that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in, in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes to in, in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is the story of your love for us from beginning to eternity. Father, there are, are, are lots of subplots in this. Father, you lead us in, in, in how to live, in, in how to continue in our faith, how to pray, how to, how to interact with family and, and friends, how to show mercy and love. But the main story, the true story, is you and your love for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, let that be the picture that we see when we go to your word above all else. Let the words that I speak be tested by this word and moved by your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Um, what is worship? And, and a lot of this question is going to encompass our entire lives as, as believers and, and, and the life of the body of Christ. But we start with that question, what is worship? And, and the reason I want to talk about this is we're coming off of a time where, where God has, has started us off afresh. It's been a time to, to reset and, and to ask those kinds of, of questions and where God is leading us from here. I know I've, I've been in, impacted quite a bit, and I've, I've mentioned this before, by, by having the, the evening service outside and, and focusing on the simplicity of just paring it down to the, the basics of what worship is. I want to start here in, in the first verse. Um, what is worship? Actually, before I do that, remember um, a family member of mine came to me and, and they, said, they told me the story. They were, they were um, worship leading at a, at a church and, and uh, somebody came to them after, after the service and they said, you know, this, this, this style of worship just doesn't do it for me. And, uh, and this family member of mine turned to them and said, that's good because it's not for you. <laughs> What is worship? Who is it for? That's a, that's a convicting statement, and I'll get into why that, that is the case. But when we, when we go to verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. The psalmist says, when we worship, we worship because he is worthy of, of our praise. So, so who is worship for? Worship is for God because he is worthy of our praise. It's for him and it's because of him. So in verse 12, there is a, a therefore. Anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, you might have heard this thing. We ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore? Um, so we jump back to verse, or to chapter 11. And the end of, end of chapter 11 says this. And as, as I read this, just consider the question, why do you worship and who do you worship? Verse 30, for just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? For who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? By the way, that's a... a, a, question without an answer, but the answer is no one. Verse 36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. So Paul, he he writes this, and then the next thing he says is, therefore, present yourselves as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. He says, because of his mercy, 
because the depths and the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, therefore worship Him. So we ask that question, why do we, why do we worship? You know, if somebody comes to you and says, why do you, why do you go to church on a Sunday morning? Um, you know, we might, we might think, well, it's just something we do. Um, it's just tradition. It's just what we always do. We have to because we're, we're Christians, right? But to be able to step back and say, because God, because of what he's done for us, because of his grace and his mercy. And suddenly when we show up to worship, if we have this understanding and, and, and we start thinking, you know, why, why am I sitting in this room singing songs out loud with a bunch of people, something I'd normally only do, well, not with a bunch of people, I, I should rephrase that, but the singing songs part, something I normally only do by myself in the shower, why am I here doing that? Because of God's great love and mercy and what He has done. Not because of tradition. Not because it's just what we do. Not because it's what defines us to the world as Christians. It's because of the depths and of His mercy and His love. He's the one who brought you out of disobedience and had mercy on you. According to verse 2, by sending us his son, uh, verse 32, by sending us his son to die on the cross for us. And we miss it. We miss this. Because we've fallen into the tendency to insert ourselves into the most important position in the things going on in our lives. But Jesus says, no, no, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and do this daily. And then here, Paul says what this actually looks like. Worship is a living sacrifice. So it is, is the result of our giving of ourselves as a living sacrifice. That's where worship comes from. And, and there are times when it certainly, certainly is a sacrifice. There are times when it's hard to get up on a Sunday morning and, and come and worship. There are times when it's hard throughout the week to, to, to wake up and, and go to the Word or, 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 or go to prayer. It's not easy. And, and it's not easy because we are fallen. Our, our hearts are, 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 are by nature deserving of wrath and, and, and so sometimes it is more evident than others, other times that, that it is a sacrifice. But here Paul is saying, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We learned what that holy word meant a few weeks ago, that it, we're, it's set apart. That we're not here for the world, we're not here for, for, for the stuff of the world, but we're set apart. Holy and acceptable to God. That's our spiritual act of worship. And, and again, we miss it. Because so often when, when we come to worship, when we watch uh, worship on, on television, we're there and we're, we're looking for ourselves. Let me give you a good example of how we miss this. And because and we do this in, in Scripture as well, when we're reading Scripture. We've been conditioned 
over probably the half, last half century to, to read the word in the same way, to look for ourselves in the Bible. Have you ever read the book of Job? Right? What's, what's Job about? And if I ask that question, a lot of people will say, well, you know what? It's, a, it's about being persistent. It's about Job's ability to, to endure and, and how we should do the same. Um, it, it's about patience and, and, and having trust in God that he's going he's gonna to come through in the end. And, and it's about being strong through, through, through the hard times. Maybe. Let me tell you, those are all subplots to what Job is actually about. Uh, I better actually turn to Job here so I can explain to you what I'm saying. Um, what is Job actually about? We read Job looking for the application, for the life lessons for, for our own life. And we miss something amazing when we do that. Here's what Job is about. Verse uh, chapter 38. And, and, and honestly, the last um, several chapters of Job are often ones we skip over. But this is what it's about. After, after um, Job and Elihu are, are talking back and forth, God says this, Who is it that darkens my counsel without, with words without knowledge? I love that phrase. Dressed for action like a man, I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb and I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness a swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far you come and no farther and here your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since the days began? And cause the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it. It is changed like clay under the seal. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And where is the place of darkness that you may take it into its territory, that you may discern the paths of its home? You know, for you were born then, right? And the number of your days is great. I love how how God's word is, is sarcastic in that moment. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Have you seen the store? You get the point. Goes on. For several chapters, what is the book of Job about? It is about God's amazing sovereignty, God's power, His might, that He is in control. And if we read it looking for ourselves, we miss this amazing picture of an almighty God. 
You see, when we miss that, when we insert ourselves into it, we lose the image of God. We lose that awe. And, and when we come to worship, that, that's, what, that's what drives us to worship, is, is being able to step back and say, God is amazing. He is mighty. What He's given to me is, is far beyond anything I can imagine. And it's far beyond anything I deserve. But when we, when we, when we go to, to the Word of God, when we go to worship, when we hear teaching and, and all that we want is, all right, what, uh, I need application. I need to know what I'm supposed to do now. We miss the greatest picture, which is God. You know, you can actually read the Bible, not for what it's telling you to do, but so you can know Him better. So that you can know God. So that you can know our Savior. You can listen to a sermon. Not for its application, but, but just simply to hear who God is and what He's done. That's why I love the Psalms. I always say this. If you, if you read the Psalms, David's not telling you how to live your life. Although we, we try to manipulate a lot of the Psalms to, to say that. He's just standing in awe of God, saying, stop, stop looking here. Stop looking at your works. Look at Him. It's so much better. And rely on Him. That leads then to the second part of this. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you might discern what is the will of God? So you see what, what's happened here. Our spiritual act of worship is giving our, ourselves to God. And then, when we make God the center, then those other things, the subplot, come into play. And we're transformed by the renewal of our mind, not because of what we have done, but because He's working in us with His Spirit. Because we're focused on Him. We're following Him. It's not our own strength, but it's His. I mean, we can, we can do all, of the, all this through the songs of worship, in worship. You know, a lot of times that's, that's not a problem. We can sing His praises. But what about when we, when we listen? When we do prayers? When we read the Scripture? You know, a sermon is, is called a gospel message. But often, again, we, we've made this into something entirely different. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 that he came to Corinth. And, and remember the Corinthians, they, they are Christians already. He's talking to a group of believers. So this isn't an evangelistic thing. But he says, you know, even among you, I came to preach nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Paul is saying, I, I didn't come here to, to preach on, on, on how to get along. I didn't come here to, 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 to preach good morality. I came here to preach Christ, that you would turn to Him and rely on Him. And when we listen, um, you know, looking for ourselves, how do I apply this to me? What is that saying to us for worship? You know, so, so at the heart of, of a worship service is that gospel message. Why is it there? 
You know, I mean, we could just sing praises, right? That would be, that would be excellent. But the gospel message is to remind us why we sing. It's to remind us of who Jesus is and, and, and to impact our songs. That we would remember his death on the cross and that we would say, I want to sing to him. I want to sing for his glory because he's worthy of it because of what he's given to me. Whereas if, if I were to get up here and, 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 and preach on, on the, topics, uh, the, the, the topics of the world or, or finances, or I would be doing a disservice to worship. I wouldn't be reminding of the greatest reminder that all of us need. Why do we give our lives to Christ? Why do we give our lives as a living sacrifice? That's what a gospel message is for. And again, we go back to that Job example. If I preach on Job and I preach on his strength, but I never mention the power and sovereignty of God... I'm not doing my job as a gospel preacher because I'm not preaching the gospel. And if somebody, a non-Christian, let's say, walks through those doors, they're going to hear that sermon and think that being a Christian is about being strong like Job. And I know for sure, living as a Christian as long as I have, that I am not strong like Job. I'm not going to be strong like Job That's why I need a Savior. And yet so often we can make it seem like that's the message. That that you gotta you gotta be strong like Job, you gotta be courageous like David. When really what the scriptures is saying isn't that, that we have to be that, but we have to rely on the one who is. And that's Christ. And He will transform us. And, and we will be transformed into His image. But first, we've got to rely on Him. They're going to miss that. And we're going to miss that. We need to be reminded of the gospel. And to be able to sing that song that we sang before. Not, not Lord, I'm awesome. Not, not Lord, I, I, I can do this on my own. Not, Lord, I'm, I'm taking the example of David and, I, and Lord, I'm, I'm going to sling that, that sling and I'm going to defeat my Goliath and, and Lord, look what I can do. No. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Because I can't do it. That is the message of the Gospel. When we read Scripture, and, and again, we'll... we'll Continue with that Job example. If we read it ourselves into it, we miss the one we truly need. And, and that, that leads me to verse 3. Um, Romans 12.3. Got to get back to where I was. For by the grace given to me, I say to you, everyone among you, not to think of himself as more highly than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned Worship is humble. That's the third point I want to make. Worship is humble. Maybe I should rather say, worship is humbling. 
Worship isn't about our traditions. It's not about our, our preferred style. It, 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 it's about bringing honor and glory to God, our Savior. So God does this amazing thing. He does two amazing things here when it comes to worship. First, he does everything by grace. So this is the first humbling thing that, 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 that I'm, I'm going to talk about. He, he gives us what we have not earned. So that according to Ephesians 2, so that no one can boast. We can't come to worship boastful. We have no reason to boast. We are, are, are not here because of our own goodness. We're here because of the goodness that he has worked in us. So we can't come to worship and, 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 and think of ourselves as superior to anybody else here. You know, well, so-and-so, they, they, don't, they don't dance around when the music's on. They must not have the Holy Spirit. Or so-and-so, they dance too much. They don't have a, a, a righteous view of God. Or everybody should raise their hands like me. Or they're not spiritual enough. Or, or no one should raise their hands because they're, they're showing off. We can't do that. Even though we often do. Because our spiritual act of worship is an outworking of our faith and an outworking of the grace that he's given us. God has assigned us into these places, into where he desires us, not because of anything we have earned, but because of him. And again, brings our focus back to him in worship. Of all the things that that we can focus on, he humbles us so that we focus on him. And the last part of this, verse 4. Um, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace he has given us. Let us use them. So we see here, the second way he humbles us is by putting us in community, by putting us in the body of Christ, and, and, and not just in a, in a superficial sense, but it says here that, that we are individually members of the one body. We are connected. That's, that's how close he has made us. And in doing that, he has humbled us. He puts us into community. And, and he gives us a role, a place in that community. This, again, according to verse 6, is given to us not by what we've earned, but by his grace. What an awesome thing. So no one can sit there and say, you know what, I am, am spectacular at worshiping. <laughs> There's no one voice that rises above others. You know, I, I was... I was Talking a couple of weeks ago or last week about about again when we when we have that service outside and we we sing just together and 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 you can hear all the voices all the voices of people who who do sing um, and I want to encourage you, if you if you don't sing on a Sunday morning I want to encourage you to 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 uh, to try it um, because it, it it doesn't matter how good your voice is what matters is the one we're singing to. But he's put us in those positions, not because we've earned it, but because of his grace. And all of it, all of it points back to him. 
you know, when I give a sermon on worship, there's a tendency to, to think, or when somebody gives a sermon on, on worship, that, 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 that it's going to involve talking about worship styles. This is how you should worship. This is where you should worship. This is when you should worship. Jesus, when he spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well, she said the thing that divides them was what the Samaritans worshipped on the mountain and, and the Jews worshipped at the temple. And Jesus says, look, you know what? There's a time when that's not going to matter. What matters is you worship in spirit and in truth. What matters is that the gospel is at the heart. And it's a celebration of what God has done for us. So I want to encourage you. As you worship, as, as you whether that's worshiping here corporately, whether that's worshiping as, as at home with your family, make Christ the center. As you go to the Word, remember that word on the, on the pulpit. I would seek Jesus. I want to know Him more. And to pull yourself out of it and to look for Him to rely on Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are worthy of our praise. You've given us eternal life. You've given us Your salvation. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our desire to know You more, to study You. You are worthy of our conversations where we want to share You with those who do not know You. Not because of us, but because you are worthy. Father, remind us of that, of your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your justice, that it is, as we read in Romans 11, that it is for you, from you, through you. Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.